I'm Ian McLean, founder of Flow Group and Greenline Conversations. This podcast has grown out of the chaos that's been thrust upon us. And in it, I share the best of 25 years of helping leaders in business organizations deal and cope with change. So, as you're out there, busy making sense of it all, trying to cope and repurposing your organizations, I'm hoping that some of this will provide some help some of the time. I'll keep it deliberately short because I know you're busy. Let's dive in. I'm watching the first episode of the final series of Peaky Blinders. Early in the opening episode, an Irish actress appears. I know her. I know her face. I recognize her accent. I'm familiar with her mannerisms. And I even know other characters in other series she's played before. But for the life of me, I can't remember her name. I'm getting frustrated, annoyed, so I try harder to remember. The harder I try, the more elusive the name appears. I realise from experience that I'm wasting my time. So I pause the episode, distract myself by thinking about something else, get up from the screen and go and make a cup of tea. I return about 10 minutes later, unpause and re-engage. Miraculously, it seems, her name suddenly comes to me. Charlene McKenna. Studies conducted by Benjamin Bard at the University of California discovered that we're 41% more effective and more creative when we step away for a time or zoom out than if we hang in there pitching even harder to solve the problem. This is true for any dilemma, ranging from actress name recall, in my case, to business strategy, to what do I do with my life? I can still clearly recall when I first started my business, the reluctance that I had to take time off for a holiday, or indeed any time off, and the guilt that went with it. I also clearly recall my first ever three-week holiday and marvelling thereafter at the level of clarity that Zooming Out brought with it. I remember returning fully energised, fully focused, clear and decisive. We know already that some of our greatest ever scientific discoveries have been discovered in Zooming Out. The well-established Archimedes' eureka moment in the bath and Newton's apple falling from a tree in his garden whilst he went sabbatical. They're just two well-publicised events. But they're backed by lots of other breakthrough moments, routinely reported by scientists, whilst removed away from the problem. In short, we often do our best thinking when we're not thinking. Leaders, therefore, need to spend more time on the balcony and less on the dance floor. Yet, there's stiff resistance. One common feature of the leaders I've encountered over the last quarter century is a marked reluctance to step away and take a break. There are some very understandable reasons for this. The first is that there's a natural rhythm we create to our daily routine, which in a peculiar way is soothing, where we become routinized. This pattern, once created, is hard to break. The second reason is that leaders typically believe that they're indispensable. 
Thirdly, zooming out demands a conscious decision to schedule time independent of urgent tasks and then to defend that time. In short, that requires discipline. A commodity I've found to be in pretty short supply with many leaders. And finally, and perhaps the most practical reason, is that any business executive could easily spend all day every day just working on their to-do list and still never get to the end of it. By contrast, there's no immediate reward or consequence attached to the act of zooming out. Think of zooming as a camera on a landscape. If you zoom in on the landscape, imagine you find at the top of the hill a house. By zooming in, you're able to examine a lot of the detail of the house. When you zoom out, you sacrifice the detail of the house, but what you get instead is a broader, wider context of the surrounding landscape with its beautiful view or local amenities, or maybe the local neighbor's planning application, which otherwise you wouldn't see. It's the nature of our lives that we spend the vast majority of it zoomed in. Zoomed in, it seems, appears to be our factory default setting. Counter to this, it's primary as a responsibility of the leader to continually zoom out which is why it's counterintuitive. If you're not zoomed out and taking the wider perspective, if it isn't you, then who is? And what are the consequences of remaining zoomed in and not zooming out? Peter Drucker's assertion that leadership is about the right things is based on the notion of perspective. Zooming out changes and expands our perspective, which is essential in deciding our direction and our priorities. How can you determine what the right things are if your perspective is limited? It's like playing with half of the deck. We need that wide perspective for the good of the enterprise and to help it navigate its way or the right way. We can't do that without having a wider context and zooming out to see that old cliche phrase, the bigger picture. This is true of our team, of our enterprise, of our life, and our planet. In light of the dark events in Ukraine, it's chillingly worthwhile to revisit the thoughts of Carl Sagan. On the photograph that was taken by Voyager 1 in 1990, the picture was taken from a record 6 billion kilometres distance away from our planet, looking back. The picture is widely available. But perhaps the most literal and timely example of zooming out. In the picture, Earth's apparent size constitutes less than a pixel. The planet appears as a tiny dot against the vastness of space amongst bands of sunlight reflected by the camera. Hence the title of the picture, Pale Blue Dot. In his book of the same name, Sagan describes the following passage. Look again at the dot. That's here. That's home. That's us. On it, everyone you love, everyone you know, everyone you ever heard of, every human being that ever was, lived out their lives. The aggregate of our joy and suffering, thousands 
of confident religions, ideologies, and economic doctrines. Every hunter and forager, every hero and coward, every creator and destroyer of civilization, every king and peasant, every young couple in love, every mother and father, hopeful child, inventor and explorer, every teacher of morals, every corrupt politician, every superstar, every supreme leader, every saint and sinner in the history of our species lived there on a moat of dust suspended in a sunbeam. The earth is a very small stage in a vast cosmic arena. Think of the rivers of blood spilled by all those generals and emperors, so that in glory and triumph, they could become the momentary masters of a fraction of a dot. Think of the endless cruelties visited by the inhabitants of one corner of this pixel on the scarcely distinguishable inhabitants of some other corner. How frequent their misunderstandings. How eager they are to kill one another. How fervent their hatreds. Our posturings, our imagined self-importance, the delusion that we have some privileged position in the universe, are challenged by this point of pale light. Our planet is a lonely speck in the great enveloping cosmic dark. In our obscurity, in all this vastness, there is no hint that help will come from elsewhere to save us from ourselves. The Earth is the only world, so far, to harbour life. There is nowhere else, at least in the near future, to which our species could migrate. Visit, yes. Settle, not yet. Like it or not. For the moment, the Earth is where we make our stand. It has been said that astronomy is a humbling and character-building experience. This is perhaps... There is, perhaps, no better demonstration of the folly of human conceits than this distant image of our tiny world. To me, it underscores our responsibility to deal more kindly with one another and to preserve and cherish the pale blue dot, the only home we've ever known. Until next time, stay safe, stay sane, Stay connected.